second week of our armour of God, looking at the armour of God, we're nearing the end of Ephesians. Uh, we're looking at the shoes and shields this morning. Now, uh, in my study of this, it's lots of uh, commentators say not to make too much of the, the location of the, where the items are plated, uh, placed. So, you know, it's the shoes, well, you know, it doesn't just only protect your feet. It's actually what Paul is saying is this is a picture of a Christian soldier in full armour, fully protected. So the reason I say that is because there's lots of overlap here. You know, the, the helmet of salvation. Well, hang on, I thought we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and isn't righteousness part of salvation? Well, how does there's meant to be some overlap. What Paul is saying is this is what you should look like when you're fully armoured up and ready for battle. However, I think Paul is not a silly man. He's very clever and they are... It, he would have been perhaps, you know, been chained to a soldier and would look at him and go, oh, well, you know, that's a bit like that and that's a bit like that and that's helpful. So they are helpfully placed. And so this morning we're looking at shoes and shield. Over the past few weeks we've talked about Seth trying to set the scene for the fact that we're in a real battle uh, against a spiritual enemy and we must take up the full armour of God in order to stand firm in God's supernatural power. Daniel spoke to us last week about the importance of fastening on the belt of truth so that we can stand against the lies of the enemy and the breastplate of righteousness, reminding us that when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see our failings. And so we have an unchanging, unwavering right standing before God. Like Sarah was saying, we're, we're in the cycle lane. We are completely a cyclist. It's not like every now and again, God looks at us and goes, oh, you're... You're actually in a four by four, what are you doing on the cycle lane? No, we are we have been changed from motorists to cyclists or whichever analogy is more pleasing for you if you're not into cycling. So this morning we're looking at the next two items of our in inventory, and that is the shoes and shields. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Ephesians six, uh, and I'll read verses thirteen to sixteen. Uh, and it will come up on the screen as well if you don't have one with you. So I'm reading verses 13 to 16, but our, our two verses for this morning that we're looking at are 15 and 16. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be, be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So our context is still one of when attack comes, it's our job, it's our victory to stand firm. That's, that's the context of what's being said here. So how do shoes and a shield fit in? It's sort of, it's not quite, but it's almost, you know, shoes and a handbag, but it's not, it's a shield. This is not just accessories, these are key parts of the armour. Verse 15 says, as shoes for your feet, stand firm, having, as shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And I think it's easy to get confused with this one. This is one of the ones which I think people often trip up on, which is slightly ironic because it's the shoes. Um, 
So we'll unpack it a little bit and hopefully that will become clear. The idea of a soldier's shoes, or in this case it would be Roman sandals, speaks about two things, stability and mobility. These are the Roman, uh, I'm reliably informed by Google, this is a, a drawing obviously and a photo. Um, they're quite spiky, yes they are. They're quite spiky and the reason that they're quite spiky was because it meant that they could stand and hold their ground. So they were, you had a firm footing. You, if you were walking across loose terrain, you could have something that, that gripped. It's the same concept of a, a football boot or a rugby boot. You've got some studs on there so that you can push into the ground and get some traction. We can easily miss what Paul is saying in this verse because... It's got this little extra, it's not like the shield of faith or the belt of truth. It's, the, it's, it's got this extra bit of phrasing with it. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So it's not like the shoes of the gospel or the shoes of peace or the shoes of... It's saying, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. So it can be a bit confusing. And what's confusing about it is it can be seen as an encouragement to share the gospel. We must be ready to share the gospel. As shoes for your feet, the readiness of the gospel of peace. Oh, I'm going to share the gospel. Actually, that's where the problem comes in. There's these two words, readiness and gospel. Your translation might say preparation instead of readiness. The preparation of the gospel of peace. The word gospel simply means good news, good news, the message of God's good news. And it usually has some clarifying word attached to it. So in this case, it's the gospel of peace, the message of good news of peace, God's good news about peace. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But sometimes as people are trying to follow Jesus, we see these two words, readiness and gospel. Well, it's God's message of good news and readiness. So I need to be ready with God's message of good news. I'm ready to share it. And that is 100% true. We do need to be ready to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We do need to be ready to go and do that. And elsewhere, the Bible is very clear on that. We preached a whole series on being ready to give an account for the hope that we have. But what Paul's saying here is we need to be ready with the message of the gospel for ourselves. The target is not someone out there, but it's ourselves. It's a bit like on an aeroplane... When they give the, the, the little talk at the beginning, they say, when the gas masks descend, the oxygen masks, not gas masks, the oxygen masks descend, they just get over with, we're crashing anyway. Um, when the oxygen masks descend, put your own one on before you try and help someone else. That's, that's a, it's a bit like that. The word preparation or ready, readiness is actually, it's got this idea of a foundation or a firm footing. So it's saying, be prepared, be ready to, to stand firm. I was going to invite someone up to try and push them around, but I thought they might fall over and hurt themselves, and I don't know what our health and safety is like for that sort of thing. So 
Instead, do you, does anyone remember the show Gladiators? They tried to bring it back recently. The guy would always do, I think he was Scottish, he's Gladiators, ready. You know, he sort of, that was quite good, wasn't it? Um, <clears throat> contender, ready. Um, yeah, well. Um, it's nothing like your dad for a bit of encouragement, is there? Um, but he used to say this, and there was my favourite one was the pugil sticks, which was basically two giant cotton buds that they would fight on these two towers with. And what happened was, nine times out of ten, it was rubbish. Because what would happen is, he'd go, everyone ready, gladiator ready, contender ready, fight. Okay, and they would bang, and someone would fall off straight away. But occasionally you'd get a good one where they were really sort of bashing each other, and they weren't hurting because it was all foamy. But... Most of the time they would fall off, and then what would they say? Oh, I wasn't ready. He said, are you ready? And you sort of nodded, yes, and then you said, oh no, actually I wasn't ready. Well, what God's talking about here, what Paul is saying is, be ready with the message of the good news of God about the gospel of peace. Be ready with it. Have Christian, are you ready? Because when, what happens is when the, the stick comes to hit you, you're just going to get knocked off your tower. The idea being communicated is that we must be steadfast, grounded in the gospel, so that we can't be moved or pushed around too easily. Let me read several verses to you. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says this, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Your translation might say, be like men, instead of be courageous. So what's being said there is, be courageous, be strong. Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Psalm 27, verse 5 says, For in the day of trouble, he, God, will keep me safe and set me high upon a rock. Psalm 62, there's a refrain that comes over and over. It says, God is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You keep him him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Paul's encouragement to us is, he says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Stand firm, therefore, having put this on, so that when the evil day comes, you can stand. Stand, stand, stand. But on what? What is this rock, this firm foundation? Paul says it's the firm foundation given by the gospel of peace. This readiness, this standing is on the gospel of peace. We've already said that the gospel is a shorthand way of saying God's message or good news about something. And in this instance, it's God's message of good news about peace. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word peace. This symbol, I didn't know this. I looked this up because I thought, I don't want to put up a weird symbol. This symbol is apparently to do with nuclear disarmament. Um, Ban the bomb or whatever. Yeah, nuclear disarmament is the semaphore or whatever the flag one is called signs in the graphic 
But what we talk about peace, what do we mean when we mean the gospel of peace? Do we mean, oh, well, there's going to be peace between all the nations? Right, gospel of peace. If, if everyone just believed the gospel, there'd be peace. Now, that's true. There would be peace between the nations. And one day, there will be peace between every nation. There won't be any of this posturing by, oh, we're moving our fleet here. Oh, no, actually, we were just doing some exercises. Or we're testing this missile to defend ourselves. Well, actually, there won't be any need for that because we will be in God's glorious presence. We will be united in peace. But that's not what this means. One day it will be part of it. That's not what Paul is saying. It's not just the absence of conflict. He's not talking about peace in that sense. Peace, we often make that, there's no war, so we're at peace. Actually, peace is something much more than just the absence of conflict. It's a freedom from anxiety. Those words that were shared this morning. Psalm 23. Though I walked in the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Though I'm in, I'm in a horrific place, but I'm not afraid of anything because God is keeping me in perfect peace. <laughs> Carolyn said, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything, but seek God, seek his righteousness, his kingdom, and everything that you need will be given to you. If you seek this first, don't be anxious about those things because God's got them in hand. It's a freedom, peace is a freedom from anxiety, a sense of wholeness. It's when all of the the parts are joined together in the way that they should be, when life is joined together the way it should be. But primarily, it's what he's talking about in the gospel of peace is that there's peace between man and God. Now, I don't know if you ever think of it like that. We often think about the, the gospel of reconciliation. Oh, we were far away from God and now we're back with him. But actually, there was a hostility between the human race and God. The Bible tells us that when, when the human race was created, we were there, it was to live in perfect harmony with God. He'd given us this creation to look after and steward, and he would be with Adam and Eve in the garden, and there was this, this harmony, and it was broken by sin. It was broken by the rebellion of the human race against God. And because of that, Every generation following has lived in as enemies of God. That's what the Bible says. We, while we were still his enemies, he saved us. But when Jesus comes into the world, in Luke 2, 14, the angels sing a song, that glory to God in the highest. And one of the things that they sing is, and peace among men on whom he is pleased, with whom he is pleased. And... If you can be bothered, you can trawl through an internet, the, the YouTube talks uh, for a Christmas preach that Andy did several years ago. I don't know how many, which was absolutely fantastic. So go and listen to that. I'd encourage you. But the human race declaring war on God effectively by saying we're living in rebellion. It's a bit like the Isle of Wight saying, that's it. We're taking on America. You're the Isle of Wight. I mean, I don't know much about the Isle of Wight. I know there's a race there every now and again. I don't think they're particularly well armed. You know, this is not much of a contest. And it's a bit like the Isle of Wight saying, right, 
we're at war with America. We're our own country, we're at war with America. And obviously we all know America, allegedly the greatest superpower in the world, all that sort of stuff. They're the superior force. And it's like they're, they're patient with the Isle of Wight saying, no, here, look, here's a peace treaty. You could, you, if you just, you know, here's a peace treaty for you. And they're, no, we're at war. Well, okay, here, what about this? No, okay. God has been patient with the human race. God has offered a peace treaty. There's a deal on the table and the terms are this. Accept that we've lived in rebellion against God. Repent of those things, which means not just saying, oh, I'm sorry I did them, but actually, I'm sorry I did them, and in your strength, I'm not going to do them again. And follow God's plan for your life. It means changing allegiance from the kingdom of rebellion against God to following the kingship of Jesus Christ. Putting him in the right place as the king. And what do we get in return for that? We get peace, peace with God. Access to God and freedom from anxiety. Access to God to talk and share life with God. To go, this is what's going on with me. This is, I know you know what's going on, but can I talk to you about it? We get to invite God into those situations. Big or small, the creator of the universe can be involved in the details of your life. And when we invite God into our lives, what does he give us? Freedom from anxiety, peace. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There should be a sense of peace that we have as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, that surpasses understanding that when, when it's chaos at work, you're the peaceful one. You're like the still pond. And it doesn't mean we're sort of, you know, immune to things, but there's, a, there's a, just this, a, a peace about us. It doesn't mean we're not acting. It's not like everyone else is charging around and we're just sort of walking through as if nothing's affecting us. We can be affected by things and go, right, we need to work hard, let's do this. But there's a peace about it. I couldn't find who quote this was, but it says this. Peace is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot. Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace in your life? That's what gives us stability. We can stand firm because Whatever's coming against me, well, I know I've got peace with God, and I know that these things that He's that I need breakthrough in, He's going to take care of those things. Whether it's financial, emotional, physical, He's going to take care of those things. I not, might not know how He's going to do it, but He is the name above all names. He's victorious. He's going to do it. 
So there's this idea of stability and there's an idea of uh, mobility. We're stable in our relation to God and in our lives. And there's, uh, we're not easily pushed around. We're not easily damaged. There's this idea of protection as well from, from the, the shoes. What used to happen apparently was wooden spikes, pieces of wood would be shaved into spikes in the floor so that as armies were marching, they would slice their foot across. And if you're a soldier marching and suddenly you've sliced your foot, you're not really much help to anyone. You're sort of limping along at best. Maybe it'll get infected. Um, go as graphic as you need to. But the idea of having shoes on your feet meant you could walk across tough terrain. You could stand. It's a gravelly terrain. Well, I can stand on this still. I can still stand and fight because my feet are solid. There's a, a challenge that's, that's uh, I don't know if it's new or going around, but it's the, the Lego challenge. Um, I don't know if you've ever stepped on a piece of Lego or a child's toy, but this is where someone is running on a treadmill and their so-called friends... Um, pour a bucket of Lego, and it's who can run for the longest as the Lego is constantly fed in. Um, um, So, sometimes things are a bit uncomfortable, aren't they? And that's what we've got shoes for. And when the things of life are uncomfortable, we can know that our footing is secure. We can know that our feet are protected, even though... well, it's not, very, it's not very level ground, but I can tread on it because I know I've got the gospel of peace. We need to know where to make a stand. We need to know what it is that we go, I'm going to stand for this and nothing is going to move me. And we need to know, okay, that was a battle for the last 50 years. Well, actually, the new battle's over here. We need to be able to go... Right, we're standing over here and we're going to make a stand for this. We're not going to lose that ground, but we're going to stand for this as well. As Christians, we need to be able to be mobile in order to say, this is what the gospel says. I'm standing firm here. I'm not going to compromise on this. We need to be ready to march to new terrain and stand there firm on the foundation of the gospel. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your saviour, you have peace with God and you can know peace in every situation, stage and circumstance of life. We can stand firm with the confidence, stand firm and with confidence for the truth of the good news of Jesus. We must make a stand against compromising on the truth. But not get drawn into meaningless controversies. The trouble is lots of people want to fight about things that are actually on the periphery whilst we're losing ground on the really important things. So we've got shoes of the gospel of peace, the readiness given by the gospel of peace so that we can stand firm and we can respond quickly and be protected. And we've got a shield of faith. Paul says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. If you've got the King James Version, it might say, above all, take up the shield of faith. That's an unhelpful translation, because he's not saying it's the most important. He's saying, in every circumstance. Always take it up, not above all. So it's not like 
Forget the rest. If you can't, if you can't deal with the shoes, at least pick up the shield. No, he's saying in every circumstance, take up the shield. We can stand firm, we can be confident, but only if we stand in God's might and have taken up the full armour of God. Roman shield, I'm sure we've all seen these from, well, I'm sure many of us have seen these when we were children in school. You do about the Romans, don't you? Um, they, were sort of, they were big, they were like between a metre and a metre and twenty and sort of somewhere between forty and seventy centimetres wide. So they're pretty big, probably cover most of me because I'm not a particularly tall guy. If I went like this, I'd be covered. Um, but the idea was it gave you lots of protection. Lots of protection. It's a shield of faith. But what is faith? Faith is always a gift from God. But we can get confused because there's faith. You need to have faith to respond to God. That's a gift from God. But there's also a spiritual gift of faith, which is a, a confidence in God to, oh, I'm going to pray for this thing. I'm going to see this thing happen. I've got faith for it this particular situation. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the gift of faith that's given to all Christians. It would be massively unhelpful by Paul to say, take up the shield of faith, unless you haven't been given the gift of faith, in which case there's no shield for you. Um, So this is not the spiritual gift of faith. This is the faith that has been given to everyone as they've responded to the gospel, all Christians. Read about that in Ephesians 2. Hebrews 11 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. F.F. Bruce, in his commentary, says this, Faith is the organ which enables us to see the invisible order. It's by faith we're able to fully take hold of God's promises. And it's not determination or like a force of will. It's not just like, I'm going to really hold on to this. It's something in us from God that enables us to do that. But faith is like a muscle. You can grow in faith. You can develop faith. You've been given a measure of faith when you came to know Jesus, when you were saved, you were made a new creation. And part of that making a new creation was a a measure of faith was given to you. And that faith can grow. You can develop that faith. Romans 4 Verses 19 to 21, speaking of Abraham, says this. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you've been given at least some faith. You can read what Jesus says about, you know, if you've got faith as small as a mustard seed, what you're capable of. You've been given some faith as a follower of Jesus Christ, and you can grow that. It's our job to grow that, take up our shield of faith, take it up. You have to actually do something with it. It's not just a passive, oh, it's just there. Oh, I'm, you know, why am I getting hit by these arrows? Take up the shield of faith. Faith means being fully persuaded that God will do what he's promised. That's why it's a shield, because when the enemy begins to fire in these flaming arrows, you've got a shield that can go, nope, nope, try again, nope. 
We need to look at God's promises. And when they're questioned, say, no, he's faithful. He's shown himself faithful, and that's, my faith is in that. That's why we have it. People often look at the church in this nation or in Europe, um, and they say, oh, it's dying out. The church is dying out. Soon there won't even be a church, so, you know, let's not worry about it. And actually, if you drove around and you sort of drove past lots of church buildings and you're driving past on a Sunday morning, you sort of, it doesn't look like there's anyone in there. Maybe the church is dying out. Maybe you go in and there's 10 people. Oh, well, you know, yeah, well, the church is dying out. Yeah, well, maybe that's true. Well, you know, we're lucky, aren't we? We've got, you know, a good number of people here. Some people away, there would be more, but... You know, we're, we're doing pretty well, aren't we? We should just be, isn't it great that we're, you know, we're surviving? Let's just settle for this. We're, we're okay. Let's not, let's not overstretch ourselves. Let's just easy, easy on the sort of going and doing stuff. Let's just make sure we're all okay because the church is on the way out. Let's keep what we've got. It's easy to let a little arrow, oh, church is on the way out. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. And before you know it, it's like, I don't know if you, someone was telling me about bullfights yesterday, I don't know why, but they're saying what happens in a bullfight is they flip these darts into the bull, and um, eventually the bull gets weakened, and then they can kill it. But it's like, so it's running around, it's like, bang, it's still quite strong, let's put another one in, and another one, and another one. Oh, now it's weak enough that we can really make a show of it. And we can be a bit like that. If we let these darts hit us, we get weaker and weaker, and weaker, and we're, we're out of the game. We're ineffective. When I hear things like, oh, the church is in decline, I have to remind myself, well, Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus said he's going to build his church, and it doesn't matter what anyone else is saying, because that's what he said, and he is faithful, and he will do it. So it doesn't matter what it looks like, it's where my faith is, where is my trust? Is my trust in a newspaper reporter who's trying to get a good headline, or is it in Jesus Christ who is saying, come on? We grow in faith, we grow in faith by seeing God fulfill what he has said. You know, there's one time Jesus got in the boat with his disciples and he said, we're going to the other side. Let's go to the other side of the lake. And he's on the boat and he falls asleep and they're all, you know, doing boat stuff. I'm not a boat man. I've never, you know, I don't, I've been on a boat, obviously, but I've never, not obviously, I've been on a boat, but I've never been on like a sailing boat. I wouldn't know what I was doing. I'd be the guy who gets, you know, as the boom or whatever it's called comes across, I'd be the one who gets knocked in. Um, so the, the disciples are doing their fisherman bit because they're sailing across and a storm comes and Jesus is asleep in the boat. And they're like, oh my goodness, this, is, this storm is awful. There's nothing left for us to do. Let's wake Jesus up. He, they wake Jesus up. What does Jesus say to them? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? He doesn't say, oh yeah, let me sort this out. He does sort it out. But his first response is, Where's your faith? I said we were going to go to the other side. I didn't say, oh, we're going to get shipwrecked halfway over and drown. 
I said, we're going to get to the other side. Faith in God's eternal promises mean we can sleep in a boat while the storm rages around us. There's a storm here. It's really inconvenient and it's making life hard work. But God said, that's where we're going. So I'm trusting that we're going to be there. I've got faith that we're going to get there. And there's a, there's a group dynamic to this as well. So I want to encourage you to encourage me. There's a group dynamic to this. We've all seen this, I'm sure, if we've seen the other one, the tortoise shell, this idea that actually we put our shields together and then some are on top and what well, means that we're protected from all angles, not just from the front or from wherever we're defending ourselves. There's a group dynamic. Grow in your faith, stand next to your brothers and sisters and help them grow in theirs. What has Jesus said to you? Are you putting your faith in that, or are you letting your faith be chipped away by things that are contrary to that? We're in a battle. We need to stand firm. We need to have our shields locked together. I want to finish by asking you four questions. Do you know peace? Do you know peace with God, peace in your life? Do you know where to take a stand? When someone says something, do you know, actually, I need, to, I need to say something here. I can't just let that slide. Where have you put your faith? Is your faith in Jesus and the eternal promises of God? Or is it in something else, temporary? Are there any arrows in you that you need to remove? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for giving us the gift of the full armour of God. That we can be completely covered and protected by your word and your love and your grace towards us. That while we are engaged in a spiritual battle, we know that you are ultimately victorious. That however bleak things look, we know that you have won. We've seen the end. We've, we've flicked to the end and we've read the last page of the book and we know, oh, I know what the twist is at the end. Jesus wins. Wow. So Lord, help us to have confidence in that. Help us to grow in faith. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us a firm footing, that we would know, we would have security in our, there's peace between us. We don't have to feel like, oh, God's going to hate me. No, there's peace between us. Lord, I pray for faith to be stirred up, to see you move, that we would step out in faith and see things happen because we're confident in what you've said, that you will build your church, that when the gospel is preached, people will get saved. So Lord, we pray for an infilling of your Holy Spirit. Come and anoint us for... Anoint our heads again, as in that psalm it says, you, you anoint us with oil, the oil of your spirit. Just let it pour upon us and refresh us like Vivian shared about the rain coming and refreshing us so that we can serve you well the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen.